Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. Our show is brought to you by MaxList and by our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. To learn more about the book and the updated edition that we published on February 1st, visit maxlist.org slash book. Hey, Mac. Ben here. I got a question for you. Fire away, Ben. So we have an audience for our podcast that goes across the country and indeed around the world. And I've got... We understand we're huge in China. We are really big in China. We even have some listeners in Iran. Um, And I'm going to put out my call again. If you're listening to us in Iran, please send me an email. I'd like to hear your story. Um, But the reason I bring this up is I've gotten emails from several of our listeners asking whether our book is only appropriate for people looking for a job in Portland. It's a great question. Uh, we are, this Portland is our hometown. We're very proud of it. And much of the information in the book is aimed at Portlanders. It reflects our strength. But you'll find, if you do read the book, that it's valuable to anybody looking for work. There are eight chapters, and they take you through what you need to do in any job search, whether you're in New York, Austin, Portland, or even Tehran. The questions you'll find that we answer in the book include, how do I find a well-paying, engaging job? Uh, What can I do to stand out from other applicants? Uh, How do I learn about jobs that are never publicly posted? And what uh, do I need to do to get started in a new field? These are common problems for all job seekers. And the advice you'll find in our book uh, will help you no matter where you live. LinkedIn is a vital part of any serious job search or recruitment. Smart job hunters use LinkedIn to tell a compelling professional story, document accomplishments, and show what they can do for others. Savvy recruiters use LinkedIn to find people who have the skills, experience, and connections that employers want. In a recent show, episode number 17 with Joshua Waldman, who's the author of Job Searching with Social Media for Dummies, we touched on the importance of a LinkedIn account and the basic elements your page must have. Now that you've taken that first step, it's time to do more. After all, as of last year, there were almost 400 million LinkedIn members. What will you do to stand out in such a crowded field? This week on Find Your Dream Job, we'll tell you how you can make your LinkedIn profile irresistible, especially to recruiters. I speak to our guest expert, Ernie Fertig, a former headhunter who has helped hundreds of people create great LinkedIn profiles. Ben Forsteg has seven practical steps you can take now to shine on LinkedIn, and our guest co-host, Don Rasmussen, will answer a question from a listener. Joining us again this week as our guest co-host is Don Rasmussen of Pathfinder Career and Writing Services. Don, thanks for, for coming into the studio. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you again. Don, Ben, when you two think about your LinkedIn profile, what's the one change you've made that has produced the, the best result for you? I would say making your profile as robust as possible. You know, so many people, they just do a very cursory just one liner about their work or whatever, but you really need to go in with a fine tooth comb and add as much relevant content as possible. But, um, you know, making sure that you keep track of those keywords because that's how people search for you. And for me, my clients find me through keywords on LinkedIn. So you got to pay attention to those things. Okay. Good tip. 
Ben? For me, it's just updating my profile regularly. Instead of one big, massive edit, I try to go in there and tinker with it every couple weeks or so. I mean, the thing that does is it, it puts you out there in front of your contacts. They see the changes you're making, and it just is a trigger for a conversation with contacts. So I remember uh, during my last job search, I, I made some change on my profile and I got two or three people who reached out to me and said, oh, hey, Ben, it's been a while since we've talked. Tell me what's going on. What are you looking for? What's the good word? I think that's a good habit to get into just so you're always up there with folks. I was going to say one other thing. I actually publish articles too and I had one unexpectedly went viral. You know, there's no magic formula for things going viral and I, it was kind of a controversial thing. I said, you're, what you wear determines your career. And it was talking about how people should address for interviews and things like that. And, you know, it really sparked a pretty big uh, conversation on LinkedIn. I think I got over 117,000 views on that article. And it's just interesting because that brought a lot of people to my profile, too, because they were checking me out. So it's, you know, that is a great publishing platform is, to Ben's point, is to have some content that's constantly coming up that's refreshed about yourself, too. Yeah, I remember that post that you wrote, Dawn, and, and the attention you got from it. Yeah, that, that's a great point. It's actually related to the my tip, which is there's a status update section. And even if you're not creating original content, uh, to publish on LinkedIn, you can take blog posts, for example, that you may have already written for your company blog or your organization blog, and write a little status update about them there, and and drive people to your blog. And it it gets to your point, Ben, about uh, having a dynamic site that engages people and attracts the attention of others. And now let's turn to Ben Forstag, our managing director, who is out there every week exploring the internet. And he's looking for blogs, podcasts, books, all kinds of tools that you can use in your job search. Ben, what do you have for us this week? So this week we're talking about LinkedIn, and I want to share a couple of resources around one of the most visible aspects of your LinkedIn profile, and that's the photo you use. And I know it seems a little silly to be talking about a LinkedIn photo on a podcast, but it's amazing how many bad LinkedIn photos there are out there and what a turnoff this is for prospective employers. So are you looking for nominations right now? Because I've got one I can share. Well, you know, uh, let's hear it. I got an email from somebody wanting an informational interview, good guy, and I went to his LinkedIn profile. There was a photograph of him with a cigarette dangling from his mouth. <laughs> and I had an executive client who had a LinkedIn profile that had him in a water ski um, flotation vest with a woman's hair cut off at the shoulder. <laughs> it was pretty bad. That's hard to top. I guess if he'd been wearing Speedos. It was shoulders up, so <laughs> and, <laughs> thank goodness. And I know our friends over at Mathis and Potestio, which is a recruiting firm here in Portland, and, and we actually had Steve Potestio on an earlier episode of the podcast. Um, they had a bad LinkedIn photo contest where users could submit their own bad LinkedIn photos, um, which was a well-intentioned and well-hearted uh, little contest. I'll see if I can find the link for that included in the show notes. So on past shows, we've talked about the importance of having a professional-looking photo on LinkedIn, but our specific advice for those photos has been fairly high level. So no spring break photos with a woman's hair in the background, uh, no photos of your cat, etc. Um, so I thought I'd get a little bit more into the weeds today and offer some more specific tips for taking the perfect LinkedIn profile pic. I'll be sharing two different blog posts today. The first is from the website entrepreneur.com and is entitled, Seven Tips to Make Sure Your LinkedIn Picture is Helping, Not Hurting Your Prospects. 
these are all quick and dirty rules for having an appropriate LinkedIn photo, and I'll go over them real quickly. Uh, one, appear approachable, friendly, smiling, and looking at the camera. Two, remember this is about you. Don't include other people, distracting backgrounds, etc. Three, make sure your photo is up to date. And they've got a great quote here. If your professional headshot is old enough to buy a drink in the bar, it's time to get a new one. Four, look the part. Clothes and grooming matter. No wrinkled shirts, shorts, etc. This speaks to your point earlier, Don. Mm -hmm. Five, skip the Facebook-esque photos. LinkedIn and Facebook are different platforms with different audiences. So you want to get a photo that's appropriate for LinkedIn. Six, no selfies allowed. This is a big one, I think, especially for millennials. Um, selfies tend to be lower quality. It's clear that you're taking a selfie of yourself, and the image itself is often pretty hazy. And seven, Photoshop with caution. A little bit is great, but too much is bad. It's important to invest in your career and your job search, and uh, getting a good quality headshot uh, from a professional photographer might set you back $50, $100, but it Again, it'll pay so many dividends down the road. Yeah, and increasingly at professional conferences, I've noticed, the organizer of the conference will bring in a photographer, and as part of your registration, you'll get a headshot. So if you're at an event and that's an option, certainly take advantage of that, because that's, that's gold for your career. So the first part of the equation is taking a good photo, and the second part is formatting that image so that it looks great on your profile. LinkedIn recommends... Uh, an optimal image dimensions of 400 pixels wide by 400 pixels tall. And meeting those recommendations is important to make sure that your photos are crisp and clear. On LinkedIn, you can tell when someone has uploaded a profile photo that is too small because their photo will be highly pixelated or blurry, or sometimes it appears like a little small picture with a blurrier version of the picture behind it. Here's the rub, though, right? LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and all these other social media platforms all have their own optimal image dimensions. And they always seem to be changing those dimensions every 12 to 18 months. And so for the second resource I want to share today, it's a cheat sheet for keeping up to date with those optimal image sizes. It comes from a website called Social Media Examiner, and it's titled The Ultimate Guide to Social Media Image Sizes. This is a resource I use on a regular basis when I'm posting articles for MaxList on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and so forth. I'm not going to delve into all the numbers here, but I definitely suggest you check it out. Let me add, there's a benefit here beyond looking good in your profile photos. When you are adapting your images to each social media platform, you are showcasing your familiarity with that service. And this is a great way to show your employers that you know how social media works and that you know how to connect with different social media audiences and that you've got a high level of attention to detail, all important skills when you're talking to a prospective employer. Well, thank you, Ben. If you have a suggestion for Ben, he would love to hear from you. You can email him. Uh, his address is ben at maxlist.org. Now it's time to hear from you, our listeners. We're going to turn to our guest co-host, Don Rasmussen from Pathfinder Career and Writing Services. She joins us here in the studio to answer one of your questions. All right. So the question from our reader reads, what should my LinkedIn title be if I'm currently unemployed? Hint. Unemployed is not a job title. It is not a goal. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people do that. Uh, the other variation I see of that is currently seeking opportunities in blank. Is or that... looking for my next opportunity. Right. That's what, not helpful. What do you helpful. think of those? That's not helpful. Okay. It's not specific. So right. 
you know, I always say you don't want to draw attention to the fact that you're unemployed. Uh, when you're thinking about your LinkedIn title, you want to think about the job title that you eventually want to have. And so that's the first thing anybody's going to see. And they're going to put you in a bucket. So what bucket do you want to be put in? You don't want to be put in the unemployment bucket. You don't want to be put in the looking for the next opportunity bucket. So you need to be aligning yourself with your target. And that will helps your audience understand. And, and let's too. just pause there for a moment, Dawn. Why don't you want to be in the unemployed or seeking opportunity bucket? Well, it's it raises a lot of questions and it brings up negative before positive, in my okay. opinion. I think that you should be optimistic and looking forward instead of ruminating about what may have just happened. And so it's it's just a bad place to be, in my opinion. I, I agree. And I would also add that there's research that shows unfairly um, employers tend not to hire people who've been unemployed for a long time. That is true. That is true. And, you know, one thing that you do want to do along this whole process, and it's a fine line, is you want to come up with a headline that's accurate and speaks to your experience, but also focuses on the next opportunity that you want. So, for example, if you're in the field of journalism, your title should include either journalist, reporter, or whatever your specialist is to make it clear what types of jobs you are interested in or what you've had. And that will help make you more searchable. Getting back to the keyword thing, you always need to have keywords in your profile. So it's important to really kind of think forward, like I say, not look backwards. I have a a follow-up question here. So in previous episodes, we talked about the importance of being open about your employment search Mm -hmm. um, and letting people know, especially your own personal contacts, like, hey, I'm out there. I'm looking for a new opportunity. How do you balance your advice about not being upfront with it with earlier advice about also being kind of open and letting people know that you're you're available for new opportunities. Well, you know, that's a very good question, Ben. And my suggestion is to take your summary section, use that as a way to talk about your forward thinking and your, your what you bring to the table. And then towards the end of your summary section, say, if you could benefit from someone who has this type of expertise, contact me. That's great. Thank you, Dawn. If you have a question for us, please email communitymanager at maxlist.org. These segments are sponsored by the 2016 edition of Land Your Dream Job in Portland and beyond. We've made our book even better. We've added new content and we're offering it in the formats that you want. For the first time ever, you can read Land Your Dream Job in Portland and beyond as a paperback book. Or you can download it onto your Kindle, your Nook, or your iPad. Whatever the format, our goal is the same. We want to give you the tools and tips you need to get meaningful work that makes a difference. For more information, visit maxlist.org slash book and sign up for our special newsletter. You'll get updates about the book not available elsewhere, as well as exclusive content and special discounts. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Arnie Fertig. Arnie Fertig is the founder of JobHunterCoach.com, where he helps people master the nuts and bolts of job hunting, define their personal brand, and shorten the time until they are hired. He is a former executive recruiter and a leading expert on LinkedIn. Arnie also writes a weekly column for the On Careers blog of U.S. News and World Report. Arnie is a graduate of the University of Vermont, Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government, and the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, where he was ordained as a rabbi. Arnie, thanks for joining us on the show. My pleasure. I know you think long and hard about LinkedIn because you were a recruiter for many years and now you help job seekers. And I know our listeners are very interested in hearing about how they can make their LinkedIn profiles uh, most appealing to recruiters and employers. 
Let's start, Arnie, by telling us how recruiters use LinkedIn. I just interviewed a recruiter last week, and he told me that his entire practice is focused on on LinkedIn. He, he uses it to advertise jobs. He uses it to search uh, in a Google-like way within LinkedIn uh, to find candidates based on very complex Boolean searches. He, he looks at what people write in their uh, groups and uh, what their qualifications are and reaches out to those people that he thinks would be good fits for the uh, searches on, for which he's working. So, Arnie, I know you talk to recruiters all the time and other career counselors as well. In your experience, is that uncommon that a recruiter spends uh, all of his or her day on, on LinkedIn and uses the tool uh, that extensively? The, the latest I've seen is somewhere between 94 and 97 percent of all recruiters use LinkedIn to source candidates. So that's virtually everyone at this point. And uh, more than that, it's used by uh, HR departments and hiring managers in the the sourcing and the, the vetting of candidates as well. It's interesting that figure of almost 100% is it's so high. And just this week, I looked at a report from the Pew Research uh, Center, which said that about half of adult Americans are on LinkedIn. So uh, perhaps as much as half of the workforce isn't where recruiters are. Tell us, Arnie, when recruiters are trolling uh, LinkedIn profiles, what are they looking for? They're often looking for keywords to match uh, critical elements of a job description or um, a, a position description that they're looking to fill. So they will they will look at the requirements of the job. They'll look at specific skills. They will look at things that would be relevant to the particular employer. For example, distance to the job. They might look for uh, the university training that one has had, uh, certain employers are, are fond of hiring people from a certain set of universities. And so they, they can search uh, to see who has a particular degree from a particular university in a particular year located in such and such a place. They'll, they'll get very granular with their searches. And so that means that you need to have all of that information filled out so that you can come up as a response to a detailed query when a, when a recruiter makes it. Okay. Now, listeners obviously can't control now where they went to school or where they live, but they do have the ability to plug in keywords, not only in their LinkedIn profile, but in their skills section. What advice do you give people in thinking about those keywords and what is the strategy behind choosing them and how many should they choose? Well, I don't think it's a question of how many to choose, and I don't think it's a question of just cramming your your profile with keywords at this point, because recruiters are more sophisticated than that. What they want to see are accomplishments, and what they want to see are accomplishments that match up to the kind of expectations that employers have for the role that's to be filled. So I would suggest that somebody take a look at several different job descriptions of positions that they might like to uh, to fill, the, whether they're local or not, whether they're actually going to uh, apply or not, but the, the kind of position that makes sense for your next job. And plumb those job descriptions for the keywords, for the skills that are uh, called for, for the educational background that's called for, for the verbs that talk about what you'll be doing in that job. And make sure that you use those words in the way you describe what you've accomplished in your current and former roles. Okay, so don't talk about duties or tasks, but about accomplishments. And then think strategically about the words you use in, in, in describing those accomplishments. 
Exactly right. I think a resume is about telling a story. It's about giving a, a context or a challenge in which, uh, which you encountered, uh, about the actions that you took to confront that challenge and what the results were in each little resume bullet. But in a, in a LinkedIn profile, you want to focus less on the responsibilities and more on the accomplishments and uh, make it much more personal, active, and engaging. Because LinkedIn, you have to remember, is a social medium, and it's fine to use the word I, and it's fine to talk about what you're passionate about and what really you're proud of in terms of what you've done in your, in your professional roles. That's an important point you're making because I think many people reflexively treat their LinkedIn profile like a resume, and, and they, I think they're challenged. it's challenging for them to use the first person, to say I, rather than put everything into the third person. Why is that more effective? Why do recruiters like that? I think it's a question of being personable and, and, and showing that, that this is a social medium and that you can connect in a social way, back and forth, in interacting. I, I, when I'm interacting with you and your, your profile, it's you as a person, not a resume that speaks about you in, in the presumed third person. And uh, LinkedIn is about ultimately not just looking for jobs uh, and, and saying, I'm out here, look at me, I, I want a job. It's about creating relationships. And it's important to create the relationships with the recruiters even before you're looking for a job so that you know the kind of people that are looking or the kind of recruiters that are looking for people like you. Well, let's talk about that, Arnie. Uh, we often hear from people here at MaxList who want to get in touch with recruiters and are uncertain about how to approach them. And and then once they do make a contact, how to manage that relationship. What's your advice about how to connect with recruiters uh, through LinkedIn and how to keep that, that relationship going? Well, it's fairly simple to do a search, uh, an advanced uh, people search on LinkedIn and look for people who have the title recruiter and do a geographic search based uh, relatively close to where you are in terms of your own uh, zip code. And then uh, do a sub-search on that to see who's recruiting in your industry or for people with your particular skill set and narrow it down to a, a relatively small handful of recruiters and then begin to reach out to them just in the sense of saying, hi, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to have you know who I am I'd love to be of help to you in, in searches that you're conducting. And uh, would it be possible for me to have 10 minutes of your time to talk with you? A lot of people uh, will, will be more than happy to, to, uh, to be approached, even if it isn't in the context of saying, well, I know you're looking for so-and-so now, uh, please consider me. When you get that appointment, what kind of expectation should you have as a, a job seeker uh, when you sit down with a, an executive recruiter uh, either in person or perhaps over Skype for 10 minutes. How should you approach that meeting and what kind of results should you expect to get from it? Well, as in any networking meeting, it's about building a relationship and building a relationship isn't just you've got, I need, therefore give me. It's, it's about what can I do for you? It's about trying to understand the perspective and the needs of the other person. So you want to find out what kind of searches the recruiter does. What kind of people does he or she look for on a, on a regular basis? And offer to make connections for them uh, when you can. And at the same time, uh, the recruiter will likely ask you, well, that's, that's great, I really appreciate that, and tell me also about you. And then you want to be able to succinctly uh, provide, in, in a nutshell, 
uh, in a sentence or two, your own personal branding statement. Hi, I'm a blank, blank uh, career person, and I'm particularly adept at doing such and such, and my, I, my proudest accomplishments are such and such. Stop, let the recruiter then come in and, and, and answer, ask more questions and, and find out more about what it is that he or she is looking to find out from you. So think about what you can do for the recruiter, uh, how you can be helpful. Be clear about what you offer in terms of your experience and skills. And then listen and engage the, uh, the recruiter in a conversation about how you might work together. Exactly. It's about building relationships, having conversations not just capturing 10 minutes of somebody's time and haranguing them with your story and expecting them to help you. And what's your best advice, Arnie, about how to keep that relationship going after you have that, that conversation? Uh, from time to time, you might want to introduce somebody to that recruiter or check out uh, their website and see uh, what they're looking for and see uh, if you know somebody that could be helpful to them, either somebody who's a, a thought leader in the field or somebody who actually might be looking for a job who who actually meets the criteria that the, the recruiter is looking for. So let's bring it back to LinkedIn. Uh, we talked about the things that people should do and, and how to leverage LinkedIn into connecting with recruiters. Uh, thinking about people's profiles, Arnie, what do recruiters don't want to see on your LinkedIn page? They don't want to see a non-professional picture. I mean, it's really critical to, to present a good uh, headshot of yourself with a contrasting solid background so it doesn't look like you've got a, a tree coming out of your head if it's a, it's a whatever it might be in the background. Uh, you don't want to see children or, or pets or you standing on a mountain in a distance. Uh, you want a good professional headshot first and foremost. You then want to have a good solid title up at the top of your profile, what it is that you do. For example, I see on Dawn's profile, Dawn Rasmussen's profile, she's labeled herself as a CMP certified resume writer, which is, tells you in a nutshell who she is and what she does. And you, that's, that's a very good use of, of the profile. The same way you, you could say, here's what I am, and give a job title or give, give a description of what it is that you do. What are some of the biggest missed opportunities you see on LinkedIn? things that people should know how to do and, and just don't take advantage of? Well, there's a few things. Number one, to recognize what people see and what they don't see. Many recruiters have a, a paid recruiting package that enables them to see all kinds of information, but some don't. Some, some have a, a free uh, account, and you never know who's who. So you want to make sure that if you come up as a third-degree connection to somebody else's search, where your name and contact information will be blocked, you want to make yourself findable. So the first thing you want to do in your summary is to give your name and your email address, uh, not your address, not your phone number, not your social security number, and not your visa number, just your name and your email address so that somebody, if they are interested in what they see in you, will be able to reach out and contact you directly. Uh, you then want to make sure as you go through the uh, rest of the uh, LinkedIn profile, that you fill in all of the uh, possible fields, all of the possible uh, sections of your profile. You can list up to 50 skills. You should do that. You can list your publications and your certifications and your experience. And when you come to uh, talk about the, the positions that you currently have and have had in the past, you want to focus on 
giving people a sense of uh, the size and scope and scale of what it is that you've done and the accomplishments that you've made. And you want to fill it in. You don't want to just leave your your, your uh, company and job title. Uh, otherwise, nobody knows uh, what you do or how you compare to anybody else who works in a similar company or has a similar job title. I, I think it's very important for people to understand that it, using LinkedIn isn't just about uh, putting out a profile. It's also about being active on it, using it as a networking tool uh, online to create relationships. It, it's about interacting with the people that you're already connected to and continuing to build your network. And so uh, it's important to understand that there are multiple ways to find jobs on LinkedIn, not only on the jobs tab, which is essentially a paid job board, but also in your home uh, page on your on your scroll on the home page. As you're connected to a lot of people, especially recruiters and people who tend to do hiring and HR folks, you'll see that they will often just put a, um, a, a simple post up that they're looking for so-and-so or, or such-and-such, and those come scrolling by. So it's important to check that. It's important to check out the jobs that are listed in the various groups that you might belong to. And again, you can be in 50 groups. You should be in a, a, what I think of as a basket of basket of groups. So there's groups based on your locality, groups based on your job title or your, uh, your industry, groups based on your skill set, groups based on your outside interest or your uh, alumni groups from colleges and universities that you've attended. There's all different kinds of groups, and you should be in some of each of those kinds of groups. And within each group, there is a job tab to, to look at that and see what jobs are posted there. Those jobs are not necessarily going to be found on the large job tab at the top of the LinkedIn uh, portal. Uh, those jobs are just to be seen by the people in the group, and often it's a way uh, that re recruiters and HR people have of, of finding just a very small talent pool of highly qualified individuals for the specific search that they're doing, and they don't want to be bothered by having to go through 500 resumes with, that everybody else is sending in. Yeah, there's a whole universe of niche job boards out there on LinkedIn that are just hiding in plain sight. You just They're not that hard to find, but you do have to know where to look. Great. Well, thank you, Arnie. Uh, tell us what's coming up next for you. Well, I'm, uh, I'm putting out an e-book. It's uh, available, actually, to people who uh, are listening to, to this podcast uh, on uh, how to uh, boost your uh, interviewing skills to, uh, to get a job. And uh, I'm going to be publishing that soon, but... As an advance uh, to that, anybody who's listening to this broadcast uh, can get that free and uh, immediately. Great. And the URL for that, which you were kind enough to send me before the show, is info.jobhuntercoach.com slash dreamjob. And we'll be sure to include that in the show notes. So to learn more about Arnie, uh, visit jobhuntercoach.com. You can also connect with him on LinkedIn. You do accept LinkedIn connections, uh, you were telling me, Arnie? Absolutely. Terrific. And we'll include those links in the show notes. Well, thank you, Arnie, for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Matt, for inviting me. Well, welcome back to the MaxList studio. Uh, Dawn, Ben, what were some of the key takeaways for you from our, my conversation with Arnie? I think Arnie had a lot of good points. The one that I thought was really astute was the uh, including your name and your email address in the first line of your summary. 
I know I use LinkedIn a lot to find people and, and to reach out. And if you can find that email address, especially if you're not already at contact with that person, it's so valuable. And it's, uh, it makes reaching out so much easier. Yeah, I agree. I, I've been frustrated so many times trying to reach people who have a public LinkedIn profile and there's no way to contact them other than through LinkedIn. And many people don't check their LinkedIn mail accounts regularly. So it can be weeks, even months before you hear back from them. And we've all played the game of trying to reverse engineer an email address based on like the company URL and right. like maybe it's their last name, maybe it's the first initial and last name. Um, if you can avoid that frustration and just make it very clear how to reach out to you, that's the best. Yeah, make it easy for people to find you. How about you, Don? What were some of the key points you heard? Well, you know, he hit it right on the head is that this is a social media forum and you have to write and compel the audience, make them want to pick up the phone or type out a special email to you, make them want to reach out and making it personal is the biggest thing. And it really also just creating a constant stream of meaningful content and you can use that to connect to recruiters. I think Arnie mentioned that, you know, you can send, once you make that connection to the recruiter, you can send them people. Why not send them articles that might be helpful it's just you could become a, a helpful resource to the recruiters, but then also show traction within your own profile that makes people want to reach out to you. I agree. And, and for me, I, the key point is one I keep running across again and again. People still think of LinkedIn as some kind of online resume book, as if it's an electronic binder and you put your resume inside it and magic things will happen. You just have to sit and wait. And uh, that's not how it works. And there's so much more, as you say, Dawn, that you can get out of the platform. You know, I, I use the euphemism of that this is a garden and you reap what you sow. So if you only plant one or two seeds, then you only get that amount back. So it's you, you have to look at LinkedIn as sort of a garden that keeps it needs nurturing. It needs to be watered. It needs to be tended to. Then you reap and sow what you put into it. Yeah, good advice. Well, thank you, Dawn, and, and thank you, Ben, and, and thank you, our listeners. If you like what you hear on the show, you can help us by leaving a review and a rating at iTunes. It just takes a moment, and it helps others discover our show, and that helps us serve other job seekers. So here's an excerpt from one of the reviews we received recently. It's from Wild Iris 2008 That's her iTunes name. And she writes, Really impressed with the quality and relevance of this podcast series, particularly the guest speakers. I've listened to several shows, and episode two about staying marketable in the absence of job security stands out. I've fallen into that trap of slacking off on professional development and networking when I get comfortable in a job, and Dawn Rasmussen, who's with us here today, offers concrete, practical suggestions for how to stay focused on the long-term journey, says Wild Iris 2008. Highly recommended for novice and seasoned job seekers alike. Well, thank you, Wild Iris 2008, and thanks to the scores of other listeners who've left a review. Please take a moment to leave your own comments and ratings. Just go to www.maxlist.org iTunes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with more tools and tips you can use to find your dream job. Mm-hmm.